Hi there and welcome to episode two of Going Gluten-Free. I'm Laura Mitchell and this is the podcast that gives you real life stories and tips just to help you in your journey if you are going gluten-free. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking to a personal friend of mine who I've known for a long time now. He's a superstar chef, an all-round legend. His name is The Kilted Chef and he owns Eat on the Green. That's a restaurant up here in the northeast of Scotland where I live. And he has loads of different tips just like this one. For someone who's adopting changes in their diet, make sure at all times they have fresh herbs in their fridge. So you might be wondering, why is he called the Kilted Chef? Well, Craig, he went onto the TV and Lorraine Kelly was there. Lorraine Kelly is Scottish, so is Craig, so he decided to wear a kilt. So when Lorraine saw him, she said, oh look, there's the Kilted Chef. So that's how he got his name and I will be speaking to him in just a few minutes. And I just need to tell you, right, I have my latest favourite gluten-free recipe that I always do at the end of the podcast. And I'm going to give you a wee heads up on this one, what you need. You need unsalted butter, you need dark chocolate, you need four large eggs, golden caster sugar, vanilla extract, gluten-free plain flour, some cocoa powder and some fine sea salt just to top it all off. Do you know what it is yet? You'll need these ingredients a bit later on and I'll explain after my little chat with the Kilted Chef. Enjoy. Craig, welcome along to episode two of Going Gluten-Free. And obviously it's a massive subject, celiac, gluten-free. So tell me, what do you know about it? Well, as far as kind of uh, gluten-free cooking, some of the challenges and all the rest of it, on a personal front, my mum's had big struggles and I know how ill and how it can really kind of wipe her out in a week if she makes uh, some wrong choices. I've been cooking for a a number of years now, Lauren. So I've had a 30-year career in... uh, I thought you were only 21, Craig. uh, Yeah, and a a wee bit more. But (laughs) um, probably in the last five years, it's just the gluten-free thing is actually very normalised now. And as someone who believes passionately about cooking fresh, I think there's just so many alternatives and there's a lot of things that are naturally by default gluten-free. So I think it's all about making the right choices, certainly when you're putting your dietary requirements in somebody else's hands, you need to believe them, you need to understand them, and if need be, write it down. But these these are the things that you cannot have and you want reassurance because it's your body and it's gonna, you're going to have to suffer the consequences. You know, one thing to touch on an intolerance and you know someone who's celiac is is a is a big shift change. Mm-hmm. But certainly I think you know why would you choose something like pasta? You know if if you were dining out you you wouldn't choose pasta. Okay, it's a boring even dish. Intolerant. But if you like the flavour of, say, for example, chorizo, tomato and basil, and sometimes, you know, to be honest, you have to spell it out to actually say, I'd love that uh, lovely chorizo sauce, but could I please have it with the sauteed potatoes? Or sometimes some places are kind of very tuned in, oh, you can't have that because that's served with that. Well, you know, rubbish because... I think uh, as well, you know, tapas is a great example where it's not all about complete dishes. So you can have lots of little things and you can create your own little kind of 
you know, your own little platter, which I love that way of eating anyway. So do I. Love a tapas. But here's the thing, Craig. Here's something that I want to know. When I go to a restaurant and I say, I'm gluten-free, can I have X, Y, and Z? I automatically feel embarrassed. And when that check comes through to the kitchen, do you look at it and go, oh, for goodness sake, it's a Um, gluten-free person? uh, I will be 100% honest uh, because it is, as I said, it's mainstream. A challenge of gluten and dairy-free is more kind of limiting. The hard bit is, is when people change their minds or play it. They start off with really, really strict. They make a big song and dance about it, and they kind of change their mind at dessert stage. That does annoy me because <laughs> we've, we've went through a lot of work. And then if you kind of gently say anything, oh, I know what I'm doing. Well, yeah. actually, you don't. But anyway, we can't. You know. um, the customer is we, always right, Craig. That's what they say, right? Yeah, yeah. well, I think, <laughs> uh, I think things are changing. I don't think they're always right. On that uh, note, we try to use the language of we would like you to enjoy your meal mm-hmm. to the max and reassure them that it is not a hassle at all and actually say that dish is gluten-free anyway and that actually makes them feel better but there are some people yeah they just don't want the attention drawn to them but there was an, a guy that came to see me and i'm not sure if it's came about but he was trying to develop an app of how you communicate when you go out so you could kind of send something to the restaurant or the chef so i'd spent about time with them and actually sometimes just by having a correspondence in black and white they can you know we can follow because some people have got very different guidelines mm-hmm. um, to others so again it's about choosing somewhere if you're going out for a special meal you're more likely to be taken seriously people that genuinely want to give you a, a kind of special occasion experience well they have to meet your needs for most people it's not a lifestyle it's a it's a health condition that can be quite embarrassing if not taken seriously some people say that people who are gluten-free it's a fad diet and it's you know it's not real it's not taken seriously and when a gluten-free person comes into your restaurant or a celiac what's the difference there because obviously i'm gluten intolerant and i can have a small bit of gluten and it won't harm me too much but as much as a celiac it's a real issue because it's damaging their insides so is it a proper clean down in the kitchen complete you know no contamination well, we've actually asked for the last 15 years, the minute somebody makes a reservation, we ask if you have any special dietary requirements. So we pick up on it, like, possibly weeks before. Now, obviously, there's places that you, you walk into and all the rest of them, you see them straight away. Most places are very accommodating. The intolerance is just about knowledge and making sure that whatever the guest get is not is not getting a product with a high proportion of it. Because it's my own business, I reassure people. I go out and speak to them and I said, right, I just want to check. There is a, maybe a small amount, a small percentage of this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know straight away, but you get a guide. And because if someone is saying, look, they are really, it's you know, they just can't have anything. Yeah, the kind of uh, more red alert approaches to make sure that there is no contamination whatsoever. And the most obvious thing I can think of is 
uh, a fryer. Yeah, like um, for chips and things like that. But most people that would be intolerant to have something fried and that, you know, it's something that probably be okay with, but they possibly wouldn't have, you know, bread and pastry. And All the obvious. You know, I mean, you know this, it's a really interesting subject and there are so many different food groups and, and it's it's like anything else. There, there are people that uh, play it. There are some people that are serious, but you could say that with absolutely everything <laughs> and uh, some some people like myself I like to just generally eat less gluten to feel a bit brighter mm -hmm. uh, less sluggish and that is because over the years you can uh, fine-tune the balance of what you put in your body you, you work out that if you have more fruit more water less gluten that you're you feel a certain way but some people, I suppose, kind of get into a, a circle of repeating the behaviour of over overeating certain food groups and mm -hmm. feeling quite poisoned with sugar, gluten and all the rest of it. And they almost, they continue to do it and they can't remember actually getting up in the morning and feeling good and, you know, getting the, the health benefits of fresh food and the correct amount of water. Mm -hmm. into your body um, and I have to say it's it's actually if you fine-tune your what your body actually is best at you just don't look back because everybody wants to look and feel as good as they can for as long as they can yeah I have to say actually we've come across this in some of the other episodes and we've spoken about how gluten do you think that most people then are probably gluten intolerant it's a bit like autism, you know, everybody, I think everybody's on a spectrum. Um, so, I mean, I just love the, the, the boring phrase of moderation, you know, especially when, if you think of things like sugar and flour, in times gone past, it wasn't readily available, so it was, certainly wasn't used as much. I think the how the food industry has changed where you're pumping processed foods with high sugar and high flour content it just goes against everything that i believe in why would you mask flavors and all the rest of it so i i don't like think of flour and gluten products as baddies but i think if you try to see that the kind of you know fresh herbs and fresh ingredients if you look at them and look at something like processed sugar or, or a flour, if you think of that inside your body, no wonder. It's, it's a no-brainer, really. It kind of almost, it almost glues you up. Thank you for listening to my podcast so far. This is the Going Gluten-Free podcast with me, Lauren Mitchell, and this is all about going gluten-free and giving you some extra little tips on your journey if you are starting to kind of get gluten out of your diet or change your diet or you just want to know a little bit more. So I'm in the middle of a chat with Craig from Eat on the Green. He's a well-known chef in the northeast of Scotland and he's got some great little tips. And don't forget, at the end of this episode, I'm going to be telling you my latest latest favorite gluten-free recipe and I'm telling you it's a good one you're gonna like this one it's gonna be super tasty as well I'll tell you that right after the next little part of my chat with Craig so what kind of tips would you give someone on a gluten-free diet then a, a kitchen cupboard makeover for sure 
get things in order, make sure that you've got all the ingredients that you need at hand so you feel positive while you're cooking. We've never really been in a more positive place where there is so much information, guidance, and ingredients available to actually make, just make it a transition that can really positively affect your life and you'll never look back. Absolutely, I agree with that. It did happen to me. So is it difficult to cook for celiac and and gluten-free or do you like doing the dishes? Is there quite a lot of dishes you can do? I know you said it was quite limited, but... No, I, I think about, you know, from a creative point of view, I think it's less of an issue. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of an issue if a lot of chefs that maybe work in high volume places where you're constrained by using base sauces that one they maybe don't know the full the full ingredient deck, but when you're cooking from fresh, you leave something out, taste that, and replace it with something else, and just because it's different doesn't mean it can't be better. That's a nice little phrase actually, because you can always better yourself. I think. Yeah. So in your restaurant, in your particular restaurant, how many gluten-free options have you got? We approach it. We don't put the signs on the dishes. Mm -hmm. What we say is, if you'd like to make your choice, and we will adapt that dish. If there was one particular thing that we really struggled, we would kind of say that. But 99% of things, we would just just remove the dish and offer a gluten-free alternative. And people are very appreciative of of it and there is no drama. I like that idea because we've spoken about this before in other episodes as well, perhaps that more restaurants should have the gluten-free option just make it a little bit easier for those who are celiac. But I guess if you're going to a nice special restaurant, which Eat on the Green would be a special occasion and a nice, rather than a McDonald's, you know, it's typical. So to go to Eat on the Green and and get that experience, I guess that that is probably the way forward. So where do you see celiac options, gluten-free options in the future in the restaurant? Do you see it like that? So you give them that, the option to choose whatever they want and you will always adapt. I think the the rise in uh, food intolerances will continue as we become more educated. There's more research, um, obviously, kind of plant-based products where you know a lot of people are choosing to kind of break down their diet. Uh, some people are choosing to have meat-free days and all the rest of it. So I think the more knowledge. Um, and information I think a lot of people and food combining you know eating certain food groups together so I think the guidelines will continue to change as we get knowledgeable but as a country as well we are more kind of experimental with different ingredients yeah and that actually is a great thing. We've came a long way from meat and two veg, from instantaties and <laughs> just macaroni cheese. You know, but if you think about it right at the start of my career, if you were a vegetarian, you'd probably got offered a cheese salad. A lot of people would choose now a gluten-free, a dairy-free, a meat-free option because they like the flavour combination. People go all around the world. They want to food memory of that time. We, you know, you can eat all over the world in your own home, but you can also eat all over the world in the restaurant scene, street food, all these kind of things. So I think it's never been a kind of colourful, and a lot of people are experimenting with growing their own, and 
the thing that I really, really like is the introduction of fresh herbs because that can aid digestion for all kind of food groups and if it was one thing I would say for someone who's adopting um, changes in their diet make sure at all times they have fresh herbs in their fridge so they can uh, it's the tonic for your gin if you know what I mean what a fantastic little tip that you say herbs are your favourite but what is your favourite gluten free dish to make well that's very easy Um, it is gluten free and uh, vegan uh, and it's a chickpea buna oh yes that sounds delicious so it's almost buzz ingredients at the moment it's garlic, ginger, chilli coriander, turmeric onions, uh, chickpeas, Ooh. peppers, spinach, nice bit of charred broccoli on top, maybe some toasted pine kernels or nuts or something like that. But yeah, that's something <laughs> something like that. I love the way chefs speak because they go, oh, do you know what? And oh, a bit of that. And oh, you can always tell a chef because they'll just add anything and then they'll take it away if it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing it's a bit you know comparing it to like somebody changing from eating less meat um, if you were to choose like a really nice flavoursome fresh vegetarian dish you just or, or fish even you just feel your body feels freer but if you can imagine having a really starchy heavy sauce you you know it's just gonna like it just holds you back it does um, and um, you know of course, there are times when people just want a bit of indulgence, and that's okay. But I think the uh, the mindset of people, people want to eat well, but they're actually thinking about what they eat and what it's doing to them, you know, once they put certain things it's uh, definitely changed. I think are positive. I do as well. I think the world has absolutely changed. Um, Craig, it's that time in the podcast where I need to ask you, I ask it to everybody, what is your favourite gluten-free bread? Or do you make your uh, own because you're such a superstar chef? I kind of like a gluten-free flatbread. Oh, I was um, talking about this the other uh, day. Um, and you just, it's so easy. And you just, uh, I like chilli. I like grated uh, bit of ginger and chilli. And into the pan. Must be served warm. Love dunking it in... Um, like a dip or a vinegar or something like that. But, um, yeah, nice. Okay, quick question, right? Obviously, because gluten-free bread is probably the worst, actually, the hardest thing to get that's as normal to the normal bread as yeah. as ever. If you're going to bake a bread, like, what is the tip that's going to get that consistency, that, you know, that real bread taste? Yeah, well, it is something that we've kind of been working on for quite some time because I was never really 100% happy with it. I don't have the recipe off the top of my head but I'd be delighted uh, to send it your way and we've been given rave reviews but I'm going to be honest and open with the fact and I know a lot of supermarkets have struggled as well but definitely uh, rapeseed oil and some coconut as well is also very very good in some of our product development. We're the nearest that we've been to be happy with uh, bread that we make. Oh, lovely. So where can we find you on Facebook then, Craig? Where can we go and look up what you're doing in your restaurant at the minute? 
Well, they've got the Kilted Chef uh, Facebook page, and it's also linked to Eat on the Green Facebook page. And, uh, you know, we continue to try to help and promote health, well-being, and using local fresh produce in an area where we, you know, where I cook and, and live. But also, when I kind of go on my travels and all the rest, but one of the things I feel really passionate about is we, we undersell some of the things we have right in front of us here in Scotland. So I feel very, you know, I think when we all should, you know, as chefs, be ambassadors for our areas, the best world-class fresh ingredients on our doorstep. And it really doesn't need that much done to it and that ticks the boxes of freshness, gluten free, dairy free and all the rest of it so I think fresh is the way forward Lauren. Do you know what Craig, you've been an absolute star. Oh I better go and uh, rattle my pans in the kitchen because uh, I've got a busy show at Live at Five And when this is all over, when COVID-19 is gone, I'm coming straight to you on the green. I can't wait to give you a uh, a hug and that uh, giving somebody a hug right now seems a long way away but I'll give you a big a big hug a massive thank you to my guest Craig Wilson today he has been amazing with some fabulous tips as well to help you on your journey of going gluten free he is the kilted chef of the northeast of Scotland and thank you very much so at the start of this episode I told you to get these little ingredients okay 250 grams of unsalted butter 250 grams of dark chocolate four large eggs 300 grams of golden caster sugar half a teaspoon of vanilla extract 100 grams of gluten free plain flour Uh, 60 grams of cocoa powder and half a teaspoon of fine sea salt. Also, 150 grams of milk chocolate as well. And what you want to do, if you don't already know, this is the chocolate brownie. And what you want to do, you want to heat your oven to 180 degrees Celsius. Butter a 30 times 20 centimetre non-stick tin with butter and then line the base with non-stick packing parchment as well. So fill a small saucepan, a third full of water, bring it to a simmer and then just have a snug fitting heat bowl proof on top of it. Add the butter and chocolate and gently melt over a, a low kind of heat, stirring it occasionally, keep it going and be careful not to ca- let it catch burn or anything at the bottom because you don't want it sticking. It's even worse as well if you're having to clean that. Remove it from the heat and then leave it to cool for a little bit. What you want to do is you want to beat the eggs and the sugar together using an electric whisk or whatever you can. If you've got a, a good hand, you can just whisk it yourself. And what you want to do is you want to get it thick enough, whisk it for about eight to ten minutes and then gently fold through the cooled melted chocolate and the vanilla followed by the flour the cocoa and salt finally right then fold through your chocolate chunks if you've got chocolate chunks of milk chocolate and then what you do is you pour the brownie batter into the lined tin place in the center of the oven and you bake that for 30 to 35 minutes and when it's done gobble it all up well maybe leave it to cool just a little bit because you don't want to burn your mouth but they do say here you need to cut it into 12 squares once it's ready but to be honest i'd just eat the whole thing yourself if i were you don't don't be sharing it around with 12 squares okay i'll be back for episode three and i've got the lovely lovely miriam to chat with and she is an instagrammer she's got a whole family full of gluten-free people actually so this is going to be a really interesting chat so i'll speak to her in episode three and if you want to follow me on twitter it's at radio laws i'd love to hear from you you can let me know anytime any questions that you have and also if you've enjoyed this episode leave just a little review and i'll be very thankful I'll see you in episode three.